This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio on this Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. And just so you know, it is Eat More Fruits and Vegetables Day, always the Thursday before Memorial Day, which is probably a real good idea for all of us to keep in mind as we are probably staying home a little bit more than normal and um, probably need to keep eating those good fruits and vegetables to keep us all healthy and positive and, let's face it, regular. Um, But also something that I am super excited about talking today is that I'm going to introduce you to a new book, but the author has been on before. So I'm waiting here for Tracy Wolf to call in here. Uh, Her newest book is Crave, and believe me, people are really freaking out about this. Um, I'm going to let her tell us the cool details of it, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Tracy. Um, She is a New York Times and USA bestselling author of 64 novels that run the gamut from young young adult action adventures to new adult romance and from women's fictions to erotica. A longtime lover of vampires, dragons, and all things that go bump with the night, Tracy loves nothing more than combining her affection for paranormal creatures with her love of writing tortured heroes and kick-butt heroines. When she's not writing, which is truly rare, she can be found trying out new recipes, offering up makeup tips online, wandering comic books and gaming stores with her sons, and watching movies or plotting stories with her besties. A one-time English professor now writes full-time from her home in Austin, Texas, which she shares with her family. Her most recent work, a young adult vampire novel, Crave, will be published or has been published this year. Um, And she will be calling in in just a second. But in the meantime, another um, crazy and offbeat holiday, and it's not terribly um, too crazy, but it's National Waitstaff Day. So because of recent events with the shutdowns and the stay-at-home orders, um, know that waitstaff, a lot of waitstaff work for a really low hourly wage because states can um, or companies can get away with paying anywhere from 55 to 65 percent of minimum wage to anybody who's tipped and so that means if you go out and you eat your um, server may be getting anywhere from two to four dollars an hour plus tips so please keep that in mind if you should go out and um, if anybody is um, in that profession. It's, it's a, a tough one, but it is one that we very much appreciate. So thank you for what you do. And now coming to the show, as soon as the little things stop spinning, is Tracy Wolf. How are you, my dear? Hi, how are you? I'm good. So um, Good. I guess I forgot to say that I'm good, too. I've, uh, I've been good. on deadline the last couple of days, and it's really kicking in, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm that. <laughs> so you're um, basically IVing coffee at this point, correct? Pretty much, yes. That yeah. is exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I put a post, so uh, you... picture on Instagram earlier. Um, my agent sent me candy, and my editor sent me cupcakes, and I'm like, oh, you can tell it's deadline time. <laughs> yes, yes. They're trying to make you stay focused. Stay with it. You're almost there. Exactly. So you've only had just a few crazy things going on in the past month. So I have had a Crave, few crazy things going on in the past month, yeah. Past right. Months, right. So yeah. Crave came out last month. Yeah, it's April 7th. Right. So give us a little heads up on Crave. Okay, well, Crave is my newest book. It is a young adult novel. 
and it is um, leading, hopefully, um, the vampire craze back into uh, back into being. Um, we're super excited by it. It is the story of Grace, who is a young girl who both of whose parents died in a car accident, which left her having to go live with her only other remaining relative, which is an uncle and her cousin, who's her age, who happened to live in Alaska. Her uncle runs a boarding school in Alaska, um, which is actually a uh, gothic castle, she finds out when she gets there. And uh, it doesn't take her very long to figure out that maybe something is a little different or off at this uh, mm-hmm. this boarding school, and that is when she uh, she finds out that the boy she is falling for is a vampire, and her cousin okay. is a witch, and her best friend is a dragon, and <laughs> okay, and a bunch of people are trying to kill her. So, for reasons that you had to read the book for. Right. So, uh, so, so that's I mean, great. what made you come up with this idea? Because it's like it's a, a pinch of this and a pinch of that and kind of pushed together. I mean, what was the catalyst for this idea? Um, what was the catalyst for this idea? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> basically, it was a lot of things, right? Like, I've always wanted to write a vampire book, but it was one of those things where I told myself if I never had, if I did, never got an original idea, because so many great people have done it before me, right? And if I didn't have sure. an idea that I thought was original and different, then I wasn't going to, uh, that I would never try it. Um, but anyway, I had this kind of kernel of an idea that was kind of brewing in my head, and then my editor, Liz Pelletier, who runs Entangled um, Publishing, mm-hmm. actually called me and said, hey, look, I really think I want to I publish a vampire book. Would you be interested in, in writing one? And I was like, well, that's funny that you say that because I've been thinking about one. And we kinda, sure. I kind of told her what my idea was, and she kind of told me what her idea was, and we kind of melded it together and, and added a whole bunch more and um, – and ended up with Crave. So that's kind of where it came from. Okay. <laughs> so basically a, a, a hardcore brainstorming. Yeah, a lot, a lot of brainstorming. I was realizing, um, actually two weeks ago I realized because I had gotten a notification on Facebook that it had been, that, you know, my cousins were celebrating their first wedding anniversary. And the reason that that was important, I realized, is literally the day before um, their wedding, I was on deadline for a book for Karina Press, and I had just turned it in, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep the rest of the day, get up, pack everything, and then, like, my mom and I were going to drive into San Antonio for the wedding, and literally, as I was in the middle of, like, you know, digging my house out from, you know, deadline stress, (laughs) I uh, got a phone call, and they're like, hey, we have this, you know, the vampire book idea, and by the way, we have an opening in our schedule, it's kind of why we're thinking about it. And um, would if you you know would you be interested in putting an idea together tonight for us? And I was like, what? Oh, good grief! So, <laughs> literally, Crave was born a year ago, a year and two weeks ago. It came out. Um, it came out before it had been like even the idea of it existed in the world for a year. So that was. Uh, I was kind of like, wow! It just kind of it, it happened fast. You know, sometimes you have a t- you know you have time to get used to it, especially with YA where you're usually operating you know, 18 months, two years out from, from when you turn in yeah. the book. And I'm like, yeah, so this has really been kind of a whirlwind for uh, for me. 
So how long did it take you from the time that you said, you know, you'd brainstorm with Liz and said, okay, this is what we've got, let's get started, or, you know, I'm going to start writing. How long was that process? Well, that's that's another interesting story because okay. Liz had wanted it, like, really quick. And I was, again, like already kind of brain dead because I'd just come off of, off of a really tough deadline already. And I was, like, and I was writing and I got – like the first several chapters and then she didn't like something and then I went back and kind of revised it and changed it. We kind of edited it all the way along. And then mm-hmm. turned around and I turned in probably the first half and then took like a three-day break. I had to fly into New York for some work stuff. Came back, turned in some more, and then hadn't finished it because it kind of depended on what her editing was kind of depending. I'd given her like, look, I can go this way or I can go this way. Which one do you think would be best? Um, and let me know. And well, and then she then was busy with other stuff, and so then it didn't get edited for several months. And then it was a whirlwind, massive edit, write the ending, rewrite like a part of the middle, like push in ten days at the end. <laughs> so okay. several months, but also a lot of the work was done in a couple weeks. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Gosh, you know that's. And then you've already started working on book two and book three i started working on book two book two is we actually moved the release date up six months for a number of different reasons and so i am now on a on a hard deadline for that as well um and so it is due like june 5th so i am pushing through trying to trying to get to the end of it yeah and (laughs) so when you originally made did the story pitch did you did you envision a series or did you just envision a single title Oh, I think I always envisioned a trilogy. I wasn't sure they would they would want to buy all three, um, but Liz, okay. Liz did. They did. They bought them right off the bat. So we always knew it was going to be a trilogy. And now we actually talk about one spinoff book because there's, as I was writing Crave, there was a really interesting um, character that kind of came up that both Liz and I are really intrigued by. And I was, like, trying to figure out how to bring it up to her that I wanted to uh, to write the book, like, think maybe about if, if Crave did well, could I write the spinoff? And she was trying to do the same thing on her end, trying to, like, would you be interested in, <laughs> in doing a spinoff of this character? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so it may, there may be four. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how it goes. But sure, depending on how the characters but are, then plays within, out over the next three. So you, have, you had the April release. But something mm-hmm. exciting happened before the release even came out. Yes, actually, um, a couple of really exciting things happened. We, um, like I said, we were we were really pushing it um, and, and ended up doing a lot in like the last ten days. So it, the book didn't really go out to um, for foreign rights, for audio rights, for you know movie rights, for any of that until mid February. And so we kind of like sent it out like, you know, we thought we had a really great product. We were really excited about it, obviously. Um, But, you know, you never know how people are going to respond. And we sent it out and the video game people called us like the next day and were like, oh, my gosh, we we need to do this book. Um, And then that became this big whirlwind over there. And then at the same time, um, we sent it out to to a number of producers and and film companies, and Universal came back um, pretty much within 24 hours and was like, yeah, we'd really like to do this. And... (laughs) And then we had some wow. other interesting stuff, but yeah, we were really excited. 
And, um, and yeah, Universal bought the, uh, or optioned the movie. And now we're just kind of, you know, you never know with movies, right? Um, right. You hope and you, you get really excited, but you're like, so I'm, I'm trying to temper my excitement because, I mean, working with Universal, like, they've been so wonderful and lovely already. I mean, they're really, really amazing people over there. And so, you know, fingers and toes and everything crossed. But we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, they optioned the, the movie rights, and that was really exciting. So when someone has optioned it, they optioned it for one year, correct? So that means nobody um, else usually, can Usually, from what I understand, the option can run for five years or mm-hmm. depending on the um, the thing. We um, we have, I to be honest with you, um, well, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure Liz would be happy if I told you what ours was. But um, no, anyway, no, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's something that you negotiate and all of that. So, yeah, when you option a movie, what they say is they say, okay, we will take the rights for this many years, and if we don't option it, we will either, or if we don't make the movie in that time, we can either re-option it or let the option drop, and you can sell it to somebody else or whatever else. And that all kind right. of, I've learned a lot, right? It all depends on what you negotiate and what they decide and, and all of those things, so. Right, and that that also means that the project is in forward motion, that they've got a screenwriter attached, they're starting to get things together, all that um, it doesn't It doesn't necessarily mean that. I think I think it means different things for, for different um, companies mm-hmm. and projects, yeah. So um, okay. Okay. once they option, it doesn't mean they necessarily have somebody attached. Um, it means that maybe they're they're going to be looking to put somebody attached. It just depends on different things. Yeah, I think I was surprised because when we were looking at, like, the different people who had, you know, expressed interest in it and that kind of a thing, I uh, I kind of had a crash course on what everything meant. And I was like, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not necessarily. Well, you know, y'all should, I mean, you should get together with other authors who've had the same thing happen and, like, put a book to, you know, even if it's, a, like, a freebie of just your experiences because, I know that with Netflix and, and Amazon Prime and YouTube Red and all these different places, the want for good material is out there. It's just what do you, how do you get it in front of those producers and what do you do when it is and somebody is interested? Um, it's, a definite, it's a different animal for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was, like I said, I learned a ton, and I'm still learning a ton as as, um, as we talk with Universal and, and all of those things, and, and people and stuff get attached and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a whole new world. So, yeah, I think that's actually a really good idea. I wish there had been a roadmap. I mean, thank goodness I have um, uh, my publisher, who, Liz, who is amazing and is a lot more uh, savvy on these kind of things than I am, so I'm kind of along for the ride, but... And, again, we're with Universal, so what, and they're so amazing. So, again, it's okay right. to be along for the ride, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as you have people looking out for you, and that's good. That's what you want. Yeah. Um, so when – I have to go back a little bit because we've known each other about a decade. And a long time, yeah. I, yeah, it is, it is. Um, what was – so when you got that first contract for that very first book um, – is it still? I mean, obviously, it's exciting when someone wants to buy your book, right? But well, it's is always it exciting. as exciting, <laughs> more exciting? Um, did you think, you know, what was your roadmap to get here? Did you just want to write that first book? I mean, what what has been your journey through this? Uh, oh my, like through like my whole writing career, you mean? From yeah, like your first book to now. I mean, what you know that this whole is something process. that was really interesting. I was on. 
I don't remember where I was being interviewed the other day, but I had made this comment. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was on a, um, I was doing a book signing for Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego, which was my mm-hmm. hometown bookstore when I was growing up. And I love them. And I remember the first time I got to sign for them, it was one of those moments, you know what I mean, where you're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is the bookstore I used to go to as a kid and dream about, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. uh, so that was that was super exciting. So this is actually my second time signing for Mysterious Galaxy. But we were, because now it was all via Zoom, and we were talking because we'd made sure everything was working. So the, the woman who from the bookstore and I were talking for quite some time beforehand, and she had made the comment to me. She says, you know, when I was looking back and realized you'd signed here several, several years ago she's like I have so many questions for you because it's really hard to to find writers who are um and I I guess I had never thought of it before writers who are have really long careers in this industry because there's a lot of ones who do a few books and then go on to something else because the books are mid-list or because they can't afford it or because they get burned out or something terrible happens in their lives or whatever. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about, you know, I've been writing YA. My first YA book came out in 2011, even though I am predominantly a, a, a women's fiction romance writer um, for, for most of my career. And I realized that, yeah, like really it hit home when we were looking for quote, when we were talking about getting quotes for Crave. And I realized a lot of the people I knew who had been, you know, pretty big even, you know, mm-hmm. just weren't writing anymore. And I was like, so I think I think one of the things that my career has to offer or advice that I have to offer is um, is that it really is just putting the next step, the next foot in front of the other one as, as you keep going. Because I think there's any, I think this is, as any art, right, it's really, really mm-hmm. easy to burn out. It's really, really easy to... Um, to lose your lose your career and lose your focus and then have to start over again and I've mine's kind of been Molly O'Keefe when when she had me on her show the other day she says you know Tracy I I look at your career as as saying yes you know what I mean like you've always been really open to trying something new if somebody came to you like Liz and said hey why don't you try this um, or would you be mm-hmm. interested in doing this she says you always you always said yes um, you're always like yeah I'm I'm willing to give that a try. And, you know, Jonathan Mayberry, who um, wrote, like, The V-Wars and has a writing credit on Black Panther and um, Rotten Ruin and that whole series. I don't know if you know him. I ran into him several, several years ago. We were on a panel together. And he and I talked, and he said, you know, it's not hard to make a living as a writer. And and he made an impression on on a very young, very young Tracy writer. And um, (laughs) he said it's not hard to, uh, to make a living as a writer. It's hard to make a living doing the books that you love you have to be willing to do other things you have to be willing to branch out he says i've written comic books i've written speeches i've written all of these things um but i've always been able to pay my bills and and support my family as a working writer and it's something that kind of stuck with me you know where right of course we all have books of our heart crave happens to be one of mine actually um but I, I've I've been open to doing projects and teaching writing classes and other things that I might not even have had time for because, oh, hey, you know, it helped pay the bills. Oh, hey, it helped, you know, get your name out there. So I think there's something to be said for um, for what, you know, Jonathan Mayberry and what Molly O'Keefe say, um, call saying yes, you know, keeping your options yeah. open and um, and just keep working. You just, you just keep right. working. You just write the next book. 
And um and and good things happen. I mean, I've had some really really great things happen to me in my career. The first time I hit the well, um, I hit the New York Times list. I'm trying to remember now. I guess it would have been 2015 with Ethan Frost that series and um, USA Today um, for the first time with the Shake and Dirty series, also out of Entangled, and and all of those. But I've also had some really lows. Um, I think about the fact that. Um, the publisher that I had been with, in fact, the publisher that helped get me on the New York Times list, um, Random House had closed the whole division of my uh, of <laughs> that I was writing for. Right, Love Swept. Yeah. Um, right before Liz called about Crave, you know, and I remember thinking, Gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to keep writing and you know supporting my family because I'm the sole support of my family and. And uh, and Liz called and said, hey, how do you feel? And I was like, well, I'm a little nervous because I'm afraid I won't do it good enough. But, yeah, let's try it, you know. So, yeah, I right. think there's something to be said for for saying yes and for keep plotting. And, I mean, if this is what you really want to do, and I've honestly never wanted to be anything but a writer. So, so yeah, I just, <laughs> I just keep doing the next project. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, what – so I was talking to a friend today, and she's, she was voicing some frustration because – She's had some – her recent books have gotten really good reviews, but mm-hmm. they've not translated as well into sales. And, um, and it's it, – there's always a combination <clears throat> of things that – the reason that that happens. But, I mean, how do you – how did you get through times when you had books that were like, oh, this is really good, I'm getting good feedback, and they went nowhere? I mean, they didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, what did you, I mean, like you're saying, you just keep going. But, I mean, that's a little you bit cry, of a cry. You complain to your friends. Yeah. You drink a little. <laughs> um, a little chocolate. No, it is. It's you hard, know. right? I mean, yeah. part of this industry is luck. I will never, ever, ever deny that part of this industry is luck. I mean, it's hard work. It's perseverance. It's talent. It's all of those things. And then right. it's also a little dollop of luck, right, having the right project at the right time with the mm-hmm. right people. Um, I honestly think that building relationships, and, and as you know, right, networking, or I don't call it networking because I'm a terrible networker, but I'm really <laughs> good at building relationships with people, you know? Right. Um, genuine relationships because, well, you know, like our friendship, right? Um, we right. can go a long time without talking to each other, but I consider you, you know, obviously a, a, a true friend, and, and I hope you know that you can, you know, call on me for anything when you need something. But um, I think that if you do that, if you're genuine and 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 you keep up with people, um, people kind of get to know you, and, and it helps a little bit so that when an opportunity comes along, um, like I had met Sue Grimshaw several times. I mean, she's the editor who bought me for Love Swept. Um, and so when she was looking for somebody new, she came, she, you know, it kind of was like, hey, Tracy, would you be interested? And we kind of talked, and mm-hmm. and that's how I moved into Love Swept. Or um, I'd worked for Stacy Abrams. I'd written the Tempest books for her, and when she moved into the editor-in-chief position over at Entangled, um, she had called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in coming to write for me over here? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I I love working with you. I definitely want to come write for you. So I think, you know, and then from there I met Liz, and from, you know, that I got Crave. You know, you never know right. how it's going to go. Um, so I think that I think that you can't let yourself be discouraged because, I mean, and I'm not saying I haven't been. I had a book, I guess it would have been 20, 
2017. I'm trying to think. It was either the okay. end of 2016 or the beginning of 2017, and it was called Love Game. And it is, to this day, I think, probably the best book I, I ever wrote. I'd already hit the New York Times list. We had a certain expectation of what my sales were, all of these things. I wrote this book. It was. Uh, it took me much longer than it normally takes me to write a book um, because my life was kind of falling apart at that time. And and it was just really, really, it was just one of those books that was really hard for me. But I also ended up pouring, you know, everything I was kind of into this book. And, and the early reviews from my peers and the magazines came out, and, and they were calling, you know, the best book they'd read, you know, in a decade and, yeah. you know, and these kind of things. And so, you know, I was really excited because I really felt my agent was like, it's just next level. And it sold the first month it was out. And, you know, romance, right, the first month is most of it. I think it sold sure. 800 copies, 800 okay. copies, and we were just like, what happened? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what do we do? Like, how do we fix this? Like, I, it was horrible. It was it was horrible, and I was devastated, and, um, and it took me a little while to, to pick myself up from that one, but, you know, I had a contract, and I had the next book to write, and mm-hmm. I did it, you know, and, yeah. and that book got me to the next book, which got me to the next book, which got me to Crave. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of how it what, goes. what the process is. Yeah, it, I mean, and and you know, we all meet those friends and make those relationships and network, and I, I think it's always important to remember, um, you know, to be respectful, and you know, even if it's someone that you may not even agree with, um, I think that it's. Yeah. It's hard. Um, it, it's just really important to make sure that you try to stay as professional as you can. Um, now, sometimes it's not always a possibility, but I think we all try yeah. very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to like when you yeah. when 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 it kick, when life kicks you or when it it kicks you, you know, that's what your friends are for. And you go to them and you wine yeah. and you drink and you you know throw yourself on the bed and you have you know your your moment of <laughs> uh, ennui and despair. Yeah. And then you yeah. um, and then you say okay, and then you go back to your editor and your agent, and you say okay, how do we fix this, and how do we do better, and you just keep working because the 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 one guarantee you have is you're never gonna hit on a book you didn't write, <laughs> you know. That's right. So right. so you just gotta keep writing, and 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 hopefully the the lightning will hit, you know. Hopefully it all right. kind of lines up. I, I talk all the time. One of the things I'm one of the reasons why I'm so excited that you know, Crave seems to be hitting as vampires are making a resurgence. Um, is I tend to always be early. Like I was early with mermaids. I was early with video game books. I was I I, I just tend to be early, and then by the time <laughs> that it, it really hits, my book's already been forgotten. You know what I mean? And because right. you know, oh yeah, that came out last year, <laughs> and so um, <laughs> so I'm yeah. So you just you just keep writing. I mean, honestly, that's the best advice I have. You just keep writing. Yep, keep going. So I like yeah. that you. So one of the fun things that happened was you know, Crave was here at Target. I was wandering around uh, last week or two, you know, escaping for just a couple of hours, uh, right. mask in place, and walking around the book section, which I always do because I always take pictures of books in the wild of friends of mine and books I've read. And there your book was. And so the fun part was, is, you know, I took a picture, which I need to post, by the way. Um, but also I showed my daughter, who's 16, and because um, we've had a lot of discussions about Twilight and different things, um, 
neither one of us have read the stories, but we've we've had some discussions about other people's discussions. And um, one of the things that really caught my attention was I opened it up and I saw edited by um, Stacey Abrams. And I was like, huh, okay. And so I just opened the book and gave it to my daughter. I said, check it out. And she went, what, what? And I I said, I think it is. I think that's who that is. Um, So that is Stacey Abrams, right? Like the Stacey Abrams. No, not that Stacey Abrams. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I it took me her. a minute because I forget. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh yeah, I was like, oh, you know, Stacey. Yes, no. Yeah, yeah because my, she's my a poor writer. Stacey, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she uh, she gets that a lot now. <laughs> she goes, I she bet shows she up does. to conferences and they're like, oh, you're not who we thought you were. Oh, it's you. <laughs> she's no, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Abrams is her husband's name. <laughs>
Um, mm-hmm. However, they they feel about the books or whatever else. But sure. She you know opened up a lot for us. Um, and uh, and certainly and Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer, Meyer yeah. <laughs> opened up yeah. a lot opened up a lot for paranormal and YA readers, no doubt da- or writers, no doubt in in my mind, right? And so I think she right. wanted an homage to it, and that's all I knew. And then I got the cover, and I was just like, oh, I love it so 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 much. And then um, yeah. the cover of Crush, um, we talked a little more. They had gone in a different direction, and then I had thrown something out. Like, hey, what do you think about this? And Liz is like, well, I don't think that'll work, but maybe this will work. And then she came up with with the the cover for that as well. And right. um, we don't have a cover for the third book yet, but right. Um, so, uh, to be honest, most of us don't get. I'm I'm certainly not. Maybe maybe there are writers out there who who really get a lot of input into the cover, but I'm I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay. Where they're like, okay, you're just busy putting the page. You're just putting, putting the words to page the whole time. Yeah, I'm I'm just the writer. That's all I do. Yeah, <laughs> I just so write. you've got this series, right? You've got this series potentially a spinoff. Do you have how far out do you plan the next project? Um, I actually have another project that um, I'm going to be working with Entangled with as well. Um, okay. And it's it's a little different. It is also YA. Um, and so I'm I'm mulling that, you know. I'm not really thinking about uh-huh. it yet because I'm really focused on, on the Crave series. But it's kind of mulling in the back of my head. I think that's what a lot of writers do, right? That's why, like, Crave was a little different because I had to really – invent the world and, and everything really fast um, right. from, you know, when we had conceived it to when we I had to put it to page. But I think in general, right, the, you'd be long before you actually sit down to write the idea. You know, it's kind of knocking around in the back of your head and you're thinking about it and you're thinking about what you want to do with it and what the world would look like and all of those things so that when you finally go to, like, write a synopsis or really um, hash out what you want to do with it. You you have a, a pretty good idea of it, and so that's kind of the stage I'm in right now is like mulling the second project in the back of my head. Right. The second series. Do you do you plot the whole? I mean, are you a pantser or a plotter, or are you just kind of a mix? It depends on the scene, the uh, day, me, the I'm project. A, I, I like to say a plotster. I used to always want to say I was a pantser. Like, it just sounds mm-hmm. so much better. Like, I just sit down, and it just flows out of my fingertips, and <laughs> isn't that lovely? And um, yeah. and I really wish that that was the case. Um, I tend to start a pantser and end a plotter. Um, okay. Because I start not knowing a lot. I start knowing a basic situation and knowing a general idea of who my character is. And then I write right. the first few chapters and I really muck around in them. It takes me a long time to get the first few chapters. It takes me, I can write the entire book in the time it takes me to get the first three chapters down. Because yeah. I just, I don't know voice yet. I don't know who they are yet. I don't know any of that. And then once I get the first three chapters, I tend to write like, and I'm happy with them, right? I've revised them. I've edited the heck out of them. I've done all those things. And I'm like, okay, I'm really happy with those. And then I tend to write till about the halfway mark because by then I have a good mm-hmm. idea of what's going on. And then at the halfway mark, I'm like, holy cow, I don't, um, <laughs> I have no idea what's supposed to come next. And then I have to really sit down and plot. <laughs> right, right. And pull <laughs> and those threads all the way through. that's usually when my friends get panicked phone calls from me, right? <gasps> oh, my God, I, you know, sagging middle. I don't know what to do. How do we fix it? <laughs> right. I'm on deadline. 
deadline. I'm terrible. Why do I keep writing? This sucks. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have um, I have a couple books that I look back at fondly. They're on my shelves, and they were the ones where I had called a friend of mine, and um, cried and been like, "That's it. I can't do it. I can't do it." And she's like. You know what? You don't have to do it. You never have to. You have to finish this book because they paid you. Yeah. And you don't want to give that back. But then you never have to do it again. And for some reason, that always calms me down. And I manage to get through to the end. And by the time I get to the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I want to do this again. <laughs> but right. there are a couple right. on my shelves that I look at and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You weren't very nice to me. <laughs> Those characters were not talking to me at all. Yeah. yeah. You weren't talking um. to me. You weren't, or, or you weren't doing what I wanted you to do when I had to reinvent it everything yeah whatever it was so I know that last time you were on you um I don't know if you had started you must have were in this starting this project but um are thinking about it but another project you had considered was uh set in world war ii Um, yes oh I still I still want to write that project right it ended up getting like pardon me yeah uh, refresh I, I, our memories I, about it a little bit. Oh, okay. It was a project, um, I didn't even have a name for it yet, and it was about um, right. this group of of youth in um, Hitler's Germany. They were called the Idlewild Pirates. And the Idlewild Pirates were, they were not like a massively organized group, but they tended to pop up in, in basically every town and city in Germany. And um, they basically started out as, direct resistance to the Hitler youth movement, right? Mm -hmm. Because at that time he was impressing all these kids into this youth movement and they would, you know, get more, get the food and and all of these things. And it was like this this brainwashing and and all of that. And the Edelweiss pirates wanted no part of it. They refused to be part of the movement, even knowing that they would be punished and um, beaten and maybe even jailed for not being part of it. And um, they used to do things like um, get, like when when the Europeans would drop the pamphlets, like, you know, telling the Germans how bad Hitler was, they would, like, gather them all up and they would stuff them in people's mailboxes. They did a lot of anti-Hitler and anti-youth movement graffiti. Um, they did a lot of uh, a lot of subversive things, um, got mm-hmm. in a lot of fights with, with the Hitler youth movement, um, and, and a lot of them ended up jailed and, and murdered for it, actually. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I just I'm fascinated by these these kids, right? Who mm-hmm. as early as as 13, 12, and 13 were were in their own way trying to fight Hitler and and reclaim their country. And I just yeah. thought, gosh, this is this is incredible. So yes, I um I have an idea, um, and I actually have several chapters written on that project. But then Crave came along and kind of. Um, pushed it to the side for a while, but yeah, no, I would, I would love to one day get back to that book. Hopefully, not one day, not too far. Yes, not too far. Yeah. Not too far. Not too far. And then you have aspects of Crave. You also have the aspects of the Harry Potter part, where you know they're at a boarding school, and then you've got these different groups there. Um, but this time, it's not in houses per se. It's like you people have different abilities. Yeah, absolutely. I have dragons yeah. and werewolves and vampires and witches and and all of that. Yeah, I um I did I don't think I never deliberately set out um because my god, she did it so well to uh <laughs> to try and follow in JK Rowling's footsteps because right. my goodness, who right. could, right? Nobody. <laughs> or certainly not Fair. me anyway. 
Um, certainly not me. But um, when I, I've always wanted to write a boarding school book. Like I actually have like three different ones started on my laptop, and they never really felt right, you know. Um, one was actually an earthquake book, <laughs> a disaster, oh, wow. a Hawaii disaster book. And, um, and so anyway, I had three different boarding And so anyway, when this one came up, I'm like, I really want to do boarding school. Like, I want to do boarding school. And Liz was like, okay, yeah, do a boarding school. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And, um, and so that's how that came about. So then when I started thinking about what my boarding school would, would look like, I was like, I mean, if you've met me, as you have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was, of course it was going to be a gothic castle. Of course it was going to be, because, like, why wouldn't it be? If I get to design a boarding school, nothing could be cooler than, like, this gothic castle on a side of a mountain in Alaska. And um, and and my editor teases me about the fact that, like, I, I wasn't expecting it to be, um, you know, interior decorated like a uh, like a brothel, Tracy. And I'm like, <laughs> have you met me? <laughs> because I feel like if you knew me, you would know that, of course, it looks like a brothel on the inside. Of course, there are red velvet chairs and and French provincial, you know, furniture and giant chandelier, glass chandeliers and, and all of these things. Of course, of course there are. So, yeah, um, I kind of just let myself and my own, like, everything that I love kind of run wild. There are sure. um, these tunnels under under the school and um they had kind of started out actually as a as a problem so you know as a solution to a problem for me and my problem was okay look they're in alaska and yeah some of these creatures are impervious to cold like werewolves and you know vampires or whatever but i have this human girl and she's gonna have to get to like you know classes and some of the classes are on the grounds right how am i going to get her there with a seven-minute passing period, when when I Google, because I'm from San Diego, when I Google what you need to wear in Alaska on Denali in November, I get this long right. list of layers, and I'm like, how is she going to get that on and get to our class in time, you know? And so I created these underground tunnels that actually ended up becoming a really big part of the book, and they're a huge part of um, of Crush particularly. And, um, and there's these – I um, – there's this church in Prague called the Church of Bones, and mm-hmm. they have, um, it's an ossuary, right? And they have this gigantic, um, like I think probably the biggest um, chandelier made of human bones in existence. And the first time right. I saw it, I was just like, oh, my God. I mean, it was years ago. And I'm like, okay, that's going in a book someday. And I kind of <laughs> filed it away in my head, and it's been like in my head for God. 15 years, maybe 20 years. And I, you know, and, and and then I'm like, the tunnels, of course. And like out came that chandelier, you know what I mean? And so it's just a, yeah. a conglomeration of all the different like life experiences and and ideas and and personal style, although there are, there are no um I do have a crystal chandelier, but there are no red velvet, you know, fainting couches in my house. More's the pity, really. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you can only have so many things in your home, but, you know. Right, exactly, exactly, and I live with with a bunch of teenage boys, so, you know. Not so much for the fainting couch. Well, Not maybe so when they the all move out, you can do a fainting couch. <laughs> there you go, and since the, the the biggest one is, like, six foot five, like, he wouldn't fit on it anyway. He would not. <laughs> I know. My baby just passed me. It's like he's six two now, and he's um in eighth grade. So we're just waiting to see what happens. 
But yeah, right. I'm now they suddenly stand the shortest to each person other and do the house. measuring thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, they do. They <laughs> totally do. And they both, the younger two, just measure themselves against their oldest brother. Like they are dying to get taller than him. <laughs> dying. <laughs> The middle well, one was like he gave up caffeine because he heard caffeine stunted growth. I mean, he's like six three. He's no shorty, okay? And right. um, he's like six three, but he's he heard caffeine stunted growth, so he's like no caffeine has passed his lips for like the last oh. year. <laughs> okay, well let's see how that goes. Extra two inches. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for coming. And when you come back, you can tell us if they have all surpassed, you know, who's surpassed whom, uh, height wise. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, every day is every day is an adventure. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, you know, you have kids. I do. I do. Yeah. And uh, we're we're in the uh, preteen and teenage right now. So yeah, we're doing yeah. the measuring thing for sure. So thank oh, you so much for coming. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate yes. the invitation and 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 have a wonderful afternoon. You will, I will, and, and you too. And this has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. been talking with best-selling author Tracy Wolf about her newest release, Crave. Crush will be out soon. And if you're looking for Tracy, you can look her up on her uh, website, also on social media, and all the links for that are in the write-up of the show. Keep on reading, friends, and we'll see you next time. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.